Ladies and gentlemen, we are honored to have a very special guest with us here on the Rattle Podcast today. His name is Dan Zaborski. He is a senior writer for Fangraphs uh, and, and also a current ESPN contributor. He was with ESPN for a long time, has a loads of experience in the baseball world, uh, especially on the analytics side. Dan, thank you so much for joining the show today. We really appreciate it. Well, well thanks for having me, Jesse. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and jump in. This this interview was was initially scheduled right on the heels of this this giant trade that the Arizona Diamondbacks made uh, with Zach Granke being moved to the Houston Astros. The Diamondbacks in return, of course, they got Josh Rojas, they got J.B. Bukaskis, Corbin Martin, and Seth Beer. Uh, the Diamondbacks also sent twenty four million dollars in cash over to the Houston Astros in this trade. Uh, Dan, I wanna I wanna jump into some specifics, but I'll just go ahead and and let's just get started with just give me your initial thoughts on this deal when it went down. I was personally shocked when it happened. It was kind of a a buzzer beater type trade that the the details didn't come out until after the trade deadline. What were your initial thoughts when you saw all these names come out? I, I was surprised too. Uh, I mean, there had been talk about Granky being traded last winter. Uh, and the money never quite worked out, so I wasn't really looking for Granky to be traded. And and by the time it happened, I was hearing I didn't hear any buzz going into the trading because even if you don't know exactly what's going on, sometimes you hear from a from a from an agent or from a team that something's about to happen related to a player. But I didn't hear anything, so I was quite shocked uh, when when uh, um, the the trade was announced. I was actually in the bathroom and I came out and I saw uh, my editor saying, "Can you write something about the Granky trade?" I'm like, "What Granky trade?" <laughs> uh, so I, I quickly quickly found out what happened. And I, I think it was a, a, a solid trade for both sides. Uh, I mean, yeah, he was terrific for the Diamondbacks, but they were able to throw in some money and get a pretty good prospect haul uh, for Granke, a, a better than they would have if, if they had traded him last winter, I think. Hmm. Uh, and for the Astros, it was a necessary trade because, you know, they're in win-now mode. And as much as I like the prospects – and I, I, I rate someone like Beer higher than a lot of other people do because I think he might not have the highest ceiling, but he has a pretty high floor. I, 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 I think it, it was a good trade for the Astros, and it was, a, it was justifiable for both sides, which is sometimes not as fun because I can't get mad about something. <laughs> That's what we really like to do as analysts, right? If we don't have anything to get mad about, we just don't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah, um, it's like, it's like <laughs> I'm happy. I don't understand this feeling. Right, right. It is, it is very odd. I'm with you there. Um, Dan, what was, what was especially funny for me about this trade is that I wrote an article for our website for The Rattle um, – that literally made the case for why the Diamondbacks should keep Zach Greinke. I wrote this article probably about 16 hours before this trade went down. It was literally the night before. Um, and so I I was pretty pretty firm that, that Zach Greinke was a uh, absolutely a great asset, but a great asset that was probably best harnessed off the roster or on the roster than off the roster. Uh, just given the nature of his contract and just how difficult it is to move a guy like that, and also considering just how good he was for the Diamondbacks. And the Diamondbacks are obviously at the time of the trade uh, were in the thick of the wild card race. They still, you could make the argument, they're still in the thick of the wild card race right now. Zach Greinke certainly would have helped them with that. And, and looking forward to next season uh, with the Diamondbacks slated to hopefully get Luke Weaver back. Uh, potentially Taiwan Walker, 
Uh, if they can get a little bit healthier, the offense has been pretty good. I think they could maybe do some things to fix the bullpen over the offseason as well. Zach Greinke looked to me to be a pretty good asset for the Diamondbacks to have moving forward. And they certainly did better in this trade than I was expecting to be possible. So I am also with you in that I think both sides did pretty well for themselves. This is by no means an embarrassment for the Diamondbacks. But before this deal went down, I was pretty adamant that the Diamondbacks should keep Granke. And and now that we've gotten a chance to see Mike Leake pitch a little bit in his place, uh, the the just severity of the gap between Zach Granke and Mike (laughs) Leake has become very apparent. And, and it's it's hard to imagine where's the Diamondbacks' next true number one starter going to come from. I'm not sure if, if any of those guys coming over in the trade necessarily fit that bill. I'm not sure if, if anyone in their farm system is necessarily going to get to that point. So, Dan, I'm curious what you think. Try to, try to work through my thoughts here. Was I crazy <laughs> thinking that the Diamondbacks should keep Zach Ranke? I, I think you can make a case regardless of where you go, because it wouldn't have been the end of the world if they had kept Granky. Uh, I think that they were looking at it at kind of an opportunistic thing, and they had the opportunity to really get good prospects for, for, for Granky. And I don't think it precludes them paying money for a starter again soon. Uh, I, I don't think that Arizona is in they're, they, they're not really in fire sale mode, so to speak. Right. Uh, because there's, there's a benefit to making these kinds of trades before your team is bad. I mean, yeah, they're only, they're in contention for the wild card, but when you're a 500-ish team and you make these trades, you're doing it before, you know, your team is a disaster, which gives you an opportunity to turn things around quickly. Uh, there's no reason that Arizona can't can't be competitive in 2020. Uh, they generally done very well with with the trades that they've made. Hmm. Uh, and it, it I mean, it does hurt the wild card this year because knowing no one can replace Granky in the weird, uh, you know, changeup that's faster than his fastball. Right. Which, which still amuses me. Uh, it, it's like he's confounded all the the pitch algorithms that that classify <laughs> the pitch classifiers. Uh, but I, I think they they saw an opportunity and they and they had to take it. I don't think they were desperate to trade Granky, but the opportunity arose. Uh, if they were truly desperate to save that money. I don't think they would have purchased better prospects, but they did because they did have some flexibility uh, because when you do things, when, when you're not desperate, you, you do better in the end. Right. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's go ahead and, and jump into uh, exactly what the Diamondbacks got in return. I know you mentioned Seth Beer uh, just a moment ago. We'll, we'll kind of go two players at a time here. So we'll, we'll pair together the uh, two offensive guys that the Diamondbacks got in the deal, Josh Rojas and Seth Beer. Dan, give me your thoughts about these two guys moving forward. Uh, Beer, of course, I mean, he has pretty good power potential, uh, really good power potential. I'm probably underselling it by, by, by describing it that way. He was never really the favorite among the prospect minders because the prospect crowd likes those all-around players with gigantic upside that might be, you know, the next Tatis or Cunha Jr. or, right. or Juan Soto. And Seth Beer is not that guy. He's not particularly young. He's going to be 23 next month, and he's not particularly particularly well-rounded. He's a hitter, and that's pretty much what he does. He hits the ball, and he hits the ball hard. Uh, that, of course, has value, and uh, having a league average first baseman for possibly several years is a, is a really valuable thing. It's just not always necessarily the most exciting for, for, the, for the prospect guys. So, right. so I tend to be <clears> – <throat> 
and I think average players have a lot of value. I mean, you look at free agency and how much some of the, the guy has cost, at least before the, the kind of market correction. It, someone like Beer can bring in a lot of value, even if, if a lot of the guys aren't, you know, even calling him one of their top 10 prospects. Go ahead. Let's go ahead and move on to, to Josh Rojas, who I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, I think you wrote in your Fangraphs article following this trade that Josh Rojas could potentially be like the biggest get that the Diamondbacks wind up with in this trade, which I thought was was really interesting. I mean, if you look at, at the numbers that he posted in the minor leagues this season, he was knocking the cover off the ball. And it wasn't, you know, just little, you know, dinky extra base hits here and there. He hit right around 20 home runs. Um, through through the course of, of his minor league season. And of course, since he's been called up to the major leagues, uh, he's gotten off to a bit of a slow start, but it has shown some potential certainly over over a very small sample size. What do you think the Diamondbacks are getting in Josh Rojas? Well, one thing to remember about Rojas that people may not realize if, they don't, if they're not familiar with his record is that his breakout this season for home runs wasn't from AAA. Right, because, exactly. Because he, he hit... Pretty, he hit really well for Corpus Christi uh, when he was in the organization. He hit eight home runs in, in like, what was it, 180, 190 plate appearances. And, of course, he hit more home runs in Pacific Coast League, but it wasn't primarily driven by that. The eight home runs alone would have been nearly uh, – was already on pace to set his minor league high personally for, for him. Hmm. And he's a high average hitter. He, 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 he does draw walks. He, he's a good – He's an interesting player, and I like interesting uh, because he's also a guy who's played pretty much every position in the minor leagues. Right. Uh, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to start him at shortstop, but he can play. He can fake shortstop, and and again that that's the kind of thing that has real value. You look at what teams like the Dodgers uh, have have done with versatility, in which they can play players all over the place. It gives you a lot of roster flexibility to have guys like that, and I think Rojas is kind of the ultimate. When I talk about low ceiling, high floor, he, he's not going to be a superstar, but he's probably pretty likely to be a contributor at the major league level for a while. Not maybe not not even an all star or anything like that, but just someone who just fills out the roster really well. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, it's good that the Rockies are playing him. I think he should start somewhere pretty regularly for the course of the season. I think it's in the team's interest to do that. Uh, so, so so we'll see how they use him over the next month. According to Mike Hazen, I was in the uh, the conference call that he did with the media following uh, the big Zach Granke trade, and he spoke probably more highly of Corbin Martin than any of the other prospects. He talked about how the Diamondbacks have, have tried to acquire Corbin Martin in the past, and they were unable to do so because the price was too high. And ironically, now that he's had Tommy John surgery, this opened up the door for the Diamondbacks to be able to come in and actually acquire this starting pitcher that they've wanted for so long. I think there's, there's certainly a lot to like. People uh, tend to have, have some different opinions about Corbin Martin. I've heard anywhere from a number two starter to a number four starter profile on him moving forward. Obviously, the Tommy John surgery just happened a couple of months ago. Uh, there's definitely some waiting and some patience that are in order with a guy like Corbin Martin. But he was pitching at the major league level already this season, so he's not a guy who you're going to have to wait for to come back and then also have to wait for him to you know develop again in the minor leagues. He's pretty much already there as, as a major league starter on some level, and the Diamondbacks stands certainly seem uh, to be really excited about this guy. 
Yeah, and it goes in with the with the with the Diamondbacks' attempt to be opportunistic, uh, because as you say, if Martin were healthy, I don't think that the Astros necessarily trade him. Right. But in the situation the Astros are in, they're more interested in guys who can contribute right now and in 2020 than they are necessarily in someone who might be good in 2021, 2022, and on. So that that gives Arizona, you know, that gives them the potential to do something that a true contender would have trouble doing because any of the other contenders that are, you know, winning, you know, 95 games this season, it's hard for them to make this kind of trade because you, you can't trade Granky. If, if the Yankees had Granky, they, they couldn't trade him. If the Astros had already had Granky, obviously they wouldn't trade him. The Cubs, all these teams, they mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to trade Granky for, for opportunity like this, but Arizona could. And I, and Martin, I mean, he has, I mean, fastball slider change up. He is a good, he, there's no pressing reason other than health that he might have to go to the bullpen. And that's always a nice thing when you're not already thinking about the bullpen for a picture. Uh, I mean, obviously you have to see where he is when he comes back, but he, he was quite solid in AAA this year. It's, it's quite difficult to be solid in AAA this year right. <laughs> uh, when you're a pitcher, given what, given that they had the major league ball this year, which has been interesting to say the least. The last guy the Diamondbacks got in this deal is the uh, other right-handed pitcher, J.B. Bukoskis, uh, who seems to have uh, some pretty good stuff. That's kind of the word on him. We've seen velocity up into 98 miles an hour around that range. Uh, I believe he's got a, a big breaking ball that a lot of people like, uh, maybe potential for for a changeup as a second breaking pitch as well. Uh, the numbers, Dan, don't really seem to bear out, you know, excellent future starting pitcher, at least not yet. Uh, this year in double A so far, he's looking at a 544 ERA. The whip is at 1.62. Uh, so he, he's been hit pretty hard. He walks a lot of guys. Uh, he's only made a couple of appearances so far since joining the Diamondbacks organization. Neither has gone particularly well. Uh, but I, I think when, when people see Bukaskis, I think they're more looking at the stuff and, and what it could project to long term. But it, it seems to be pretty clear on the flip side that he probably has some more development yet to do. Yeah, he's not a complete finished product. And, and people forget, I mean, he was he was only drafted in 2017. He missed a lot of time due to the injuries in a car accident. So he's not really all that experienced professionally. So he's still a work in progress. And that's another example of a picture who's more useful to a team that's looking for future opportunities than a team trying to win now. Bacoskis, I mean, he's not really someone who would help the Astros win the World Series this year or next year. And that, from their point of view, makes him a lot less interesting to have on the roster. Hmm. Uh, and his, his stuff is still developing. I mean, obviously, he throws hard. I mean, he's still working on the change of slider, cutter. I mean, those pitches aren't all you know, major league quality pitches at this point, but a picture two of those might be. And it's, and like Martin, it's, we're not really talking about bullpen yet, but even in the worst case scenario, he can probably contribute in the bullpen, which is still something. And that's the nice thing about a picture. You don't necessarily always get something with a pitching prospect. I know baseball prospectus always had that, that acronym tin step, which was, there's no such thing as a pitching prospect. Hmm. Uh, so, so anything you can get, I mean, it's a good thing. As I said, I like to trade. I like, who they all the pictures they all the players they acquire they all have something interesting about them and I use the word interesting a lot but but when you're not dealing with someone who's like a clinch you know top ten prospect in baseball interesting is what you're looking for. 
Do you think it's fair to say, Dan, that at least from my standpoint, when when I first saw the list of guys the Diamondbacks got, there's certainly I think like I think you said this the the perfect word interesting that you know that there's intrigue with each of these guys and what they could potentially bring to a major league roster down the future down down the road in the future. Um, to me, though, it, it seems like there's probably not really a slam dunk here. You know, there, there's probably not a Walker Bueller. There's probably not. Uh, you know, a Tatis or, or anyone of that nature. These guys are, are players who can absolutely contribute at the major league level, which there's something to be said for. But but the Diamondbacks, future number one starter or, or future, uh, you know, staple in their lineup uh, as a position player for years and years to come, uh, probably not in this trade. Do you think that would be fair to say? I think I think that's fair. No one's a guarantee. Someone could be, and a few of the guys could be. But there's no slam dunk. You're not going to get a Walker Bueller essentially for this trade. Uh, if 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 Arizona re- required Walker a Walker Bueller type in return for Granky, Granky would still be in Arizona. It's as, right. It's as simple <laughs> as that. Teams are very to to get an elite prospect for this kind of trade. You need to find kind of a team that's in the perfect situation to you know pay through the nose for something. Uh, I think the best example would probably be. Uh, the 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 Torres trade uh, for Araldis Chapman that that the, that the that the Cubs made right that was a team that had been trying to win the World Series for a century <laughs> felt they really needed a closer and they were in a position to over trade and of course a lot of people look at that and they see their players not being traded for Torres and they're like why why can't we get it it's like you can only get that in certain situations the Cubs if if they had another Torres and they needed a Chapman, they wouldn't make that same trade now, I don't believe. Right. Uh, so so you you can get in trouble by being a little too greedy. Greed's good, but it's it's it, there there are limits. Let's go ahead and talk about the the flip side uh, of this trade. Obviously, maybe maybe a little bit less Diamondbacks related, but I, I think Diamondbacks fans are still going to be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Zach Greinke has been an absolute fascinating pitcher. Ever since the Diamondbacks brought him over, I know a, a, a good por- a good portion of your article that you wrote about this trade was just analyzing Zach Greinke and just all of the bizarre methods that he has <laughs> used to remain a, a, a basically elite starting pitcher. And and there was a time, Dan, when if we go back to 2016, when this when this deal first went down between Greinke and the Diamondbacks, this was looked at as potentially one of the worst free agent contract signed in MLB history because he posted an ERA well north of four in his first year. He was getting knocked all the way around the ballpark. And and for a guy who was entering a six-year contract at, at what was, I believe at the time, the highest annual value of a contract in Major League history, you know, this was, this was at one point thought of to be a major clunker for the Diamondbacks. And somehow, Zach Ranke completely turned things around. He continues to evolve and reinvent himself every single year. And I think, I mean, you take into account his personality, too. He is absolutely one of the most fascinating players yeah. to play this game. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love Granky. I love when he's so blunt about things. That, oh, that he's very me. blunt. Yes, like very, when he was talking, very blunt. <laughs> when he was talking about free agency uh, after the Dodgers, you know, players tend to give this kind of wishy-washy, oh, I just want to play for a winner. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to go somewhere that I have to talk about my family. 
And Greggy pretty much said, I'm, I'm looking for the maximum salary. <laughs> and, and in the end, that's what players usually do, but they don't want to come off cross as so mercenary. Right, uh, right. But I, I like that, that, kind of, that kind of cutting honesty about the whole thing. But his reinvention is, is – is, it's, it's harder to do. I mean even for very solid pitchers, a lot of pitchers can't reinvent themselves because it's, it's hard to be a major leaguer as it is. Now you have to be a major leaguer doing something completely different than what you did before. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think back at Frank Tanana because Frank Tanana had a long, long career. He spent half of it as, as a classic power picture. And people who were young enough like me – who only saw him at the end of the career, that's hard to to remember that he was a flamethrower with the Angels, then got injured, and then it became kind of a junk ball thrower the rest of his career. Hmm. And he was successful in, in both both ways. Uh, and that that's not that's not hard. I mean, Granky was never like a 98, 99 mile per hour guy. Right. But his fast he has lost velocity over the years. There's always this moment every spring training where he seems to be throwing 85 and everyone panics. But he he it usually gets a little bit better. I mean, yeah, he's under 90 now more often than not, but he's evolved and that's, it's hard to do. And, and he's, he's succeeded with that. Another interesting trade that the Diamondbacks made at the trade deadline kind of shifting back over to the D back side of things. Uh, they made a, an absolutely fascinating deal. The kind of thing you don't really see in baseball or really in any sport very often. The Diamondbacks traded jazz Chisholm who by many accounts was their number one overall prospect across their entire organization. They traded him away to the Miami Marlins and in return got Zach Gallen. And Dan, you mentioned earlier, you know, it's really hard to be good in, in triple a with, with the nature of how the ball is flying out of the ballpark. And now that they're using the major league baseball down there in what was already a very hitter friendly league, his numbers at triple a this year, he was nine and one in the Pacific coast league with a 1.77 ERA. He had 112 strikeouts compared to 17 walks over 91 in the third innings. His opposing batting average was 153. He put up just absolutely ridiculous numbers in AAA. And and even at the major league level, Zach Gallen has looked really, really good uh, for the Diamondbacks overall. He's had some control issues, but he's he's done a really nice job working around uh, some trouble. And so the Diamondbacks get a very intriguing piece in this deal, a 24-year-old who's controllable, who seems to be a pretty good major league starter already. And on the flip side, they traded away their number one overall prospect, Dan, uh, help us sort through this. This was this was very interesting, very confusing in some ways. Why do you think each team was motivated to make a deal like this? Well, when I talk about the, the Diamondbacks looking for an opportunity, they're not in fire sale mode. They still expect to compete in, in 2020. I don't think that's a deluded belief. Right. Uh, so once you've traded away Granky. You also want to look at someone who can help you in 2020 if you can. And once you lose Granky, you do need to find another starting pitcher. Uh, Gallon is 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 again a, a fascinating pitcher who has who's less of a risk than a lot of pitching prospects just because he's had uh, su- success in the high minors and and he's he's gone through the farm system, gone through the minors pretty quickly. I mean he's he wasn't drafted you know 10 years ago right uh, or anything. Uh, and I mean he had nearly like an eight to one or a seven to one, somewhere around there, uh, strikeout to, to walk ratio in the minors. He was surviving, uh, the Pacific coast league without allowing a ton of home runs. Uh, and it's someone who 
I mean, not replace Greinke, but someone who kind of alleviates that fall. So they can say, hey, we got four prospects for Greinke, but we need to get a little on the backside to 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 be to continue to be good in 2020. And I think they did it. Uh, it, it I mean, it it does hurt to lose Chisholm uh, simply because, I mean, he was their top prospect and he has a lot of potential. Uh, but I, I, I think that it was reasonable even though I think you can disagree with that. It's not like it's so obvious a trade that you say, no, it'd be ridiculous not to trade him because I can see either way what you want to do. Last thing for you, Dan, the Diamondbacks have uh, an MVP candidate on their roster, a pretty legitimate MVP candidate. Obviously, I think, you know, it's probably a, a Yelich or, or Bellinger race at this point. Uh, but Cattell Marte is absolutely not too far on the outskirts of that conversation. He is really had a phenomenal season for the Diamondbacks this year. They have team control over Cattell Marte through his age 31 season, which I believe is, is about six years from now. Uh, this is a guy who, who has really burst on the scene for the Diamondbacks. And, and it's, it's weird to be talking about a Diamondbacks MVP candidate who's not named Paul Goldschmidt because, you know, he's been a staple in that conversation for, for years and years. Uh, but Dan Cattell Marte has absolutely been uh, phenomenal this season as a super utility guy. He covers so much ground at every position that he plays. And he is swinging the bat really, really well for the Diamondbacks this season. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I think that the, the, the fun thing about Marte is that he doesn't even need to be having this season to be a significant contributor. Right. Uh, I mean, you go back to last year, he, he, was, he had an above average war. He had an OPS near 800. Uh, he was playing, you know, multiple positions. I mean, he was still playing shortstop. He, he played a lot of second base. Uh, did he did he play any third base last year? I know he made an appearance a few years ago, but that's not really important. He's a versatile <laughs> player, and even if he doesn't keep all of this breakout, let's say he only hits say twenty home runs next year and only hits two ninety instead of three twenty, that's still a really really good player who they're getting at a just a steal, right? Uh, because it's like five million a year, I think. Yeah, averaging uh, at least a guaranteed portion of the contract. Uh, that, that, that That's highway robbery already, even when he's not having this season. And he is uh, a legitimate MVP candidate if you didn't have Yelich and Bellinger. Right. And it's it's, it's going to come down to Yelich and Bellinger. I, I don't see any way around that. Uh, I vote for the rookies this year, not the MVP. But if I, if I was voting for the MVP right now, it would be either Yelich or Bellinger. I'm actually glad I don't have to make that choice because it's really, really tight right now. Dan, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it, as always. Oh, it's always fun. Thanks for having me on again.